Hey, Hound Dogs. I'm David Hankins. And I'm Paul Hankins. And welcome to On the Air with Power Squared. Uh, this week, we have a special guest, Doug Neff, the author of Epic Win. Hey, look at yeah, that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we actually have two copies of the book. Uh, I you bought do. one. I bought one from you, I think, in, when we first met. And then Trevor bought one because he went to one of your classes or uh, your programs at SDCC. Yeah, and well, thank you for supporting us. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll get to that later. Um, I, my first question is: Are you happy that Law and Order is back on the air? Because that was a. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite things, and kind of, and my nemesis also. Episodes of Law and Order. Um, I happen. I've been very happy. Um, it has made its way into our weeknight. Uh, viewing lineup uh, watching the new episodes of Law and Order has been great <laughs> yeah, we haven't uh, I, I, I watched the first one and I was like a little like eh, these are different people and I don't know it was a little... yeah it takes them a little while to find their feet but you gotta you gotta trust that they'll get there <laughs> yeah well they obviously have proven they could do it but I, I knew you were a big Law and Order fan <laughs> uh, we met at uh, the Comics Cr Creator Connection at San Diego Comic Con Probably back in, we're guessing like 2014. That sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And um, that was one of the earlier ones we did, um, I would imagine. I don't have the exact year off at the tip of my tongue, but um, yeah, that would be one of the earliest ones we did. So how did you, how did you get involved with that? Well, Corey and I had started doing our goal setting workshop. Um, at WonderCon and Comic-Con, and uh, we were really enjoying doing that. And we we started to notice that if you go to one of these comic conventions and your goal is to find a creative partner, like an artist if you're a writer, or a writer if you're an artist, there aren't any built-in ways to do that. You have to kind of wander the floor and be outgoing enough to <laughs> introduce yourself to someone. And, um, and it's kind of haphazard. And and we thought that was, what a shame that at a, this huge gathering of people, so many of whom have this a similar goal or a similar interest, there should be some kind of organized way to step into the pool and meet some people. Um, so we proposed the idea to the programming department and they liked it. They, they thought it was a good idea too. They'd been... Uh, actually had a similar idea in mind for a while uh, and they let us run with it they let us try it out um, and run with it and the very first time we did it um, this is a story I share all the time because it was so funny we we had an ordinary programming room so all the chairs were in theater style seating facing the front they they weren't able to give us the tables that we'd asked for so we had theater style seating uh -huh. and Corey and I had worked out ahead of time uh, uh, plan A if we had about 50-50 writers and artists and a plan B if it was like one-third, two-thirds. We expected there to be more writers, so we thought if it's two-thirds writers, one-third artists, we'll put them in trios um, and let them interact a little bit. And we had this whole seating plan for how they would shift seats and things like that. And we started off, we had this, we, we probably had over 100 people that came, it was great. Wow. And we started off by saying, raise your hand if you're a writer. <laughs> and almost all, all these hands shot up and we, we sort of counted them and then we said raise your hand if you're an artist 
and one hand went up in the air. <laughs> oh, no. And we just we just turned to each other and laughed like we had no idea what to do. So we, we started having people turn to each other and ask some, answer some questions and get to know each other a little bit. Yeah. And more artists trickled in as it went. But um, but it, it, ever since then, we've we've gotten more and more balanced. And in fact, uh, we, we've started to, to have versions now where we're about the same number wow. of writers and artists. And that's great. Uh, everyone gets to meet, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 people by the end of the night. That's great. Yeah. We, uh, when we went, it was like two to one writers to artists. Yeah. And we would have like, and it's sort of like if someone hasn't done it before, it's sort of like speed dating. You got like three minutes with the person trying to impress them with what you have and look at their stuff at the same (laughs) time and hopefully make a connection. Uh, which we never did actually. We, uh, we went to four of them, one at WonderCon that you weren't hosting. But uh, we never mm-hmm. could actually connect with anybody. Um, there's always that. Uh, the first person you sit down with, you're, we were there for like 15 minutes where everybody's settling in and stuff. And you think you make this connection right. with this guy or gal and uh, or girl. And uh, you don't, you know, you realize that because uh, we there was every time we like fell in love with the person we were we were sitting with at the yeah. beginning. And we contacted them and they would never were interested in what we were doing so it just as it turned out or they were oh i already got a job or i already got this or whatever yeah that yeah. was probably just bad luck on yeah part. <laughs> we're not blaming you we're just saying that it was just the way it worked uh but i mean i remember the first time we went we would we would go to comic-con like at five in the morning to get in line for stuff and then oh, yeah. your thing was like at the end of the day and then we after that when we got <laughs> dinner and we were like you said to contact three people that you met and i was I remember struggling with this guy's email address because the name was a little complicated, and I miss—I must have missed it, messed it up like three or four times. But I finally got it done and sent it off, and then I never heard from the person again. <laughs> you know, it's like ah, yeah, I was like t- really tired. <laughs> you know, eleven o'clock at night. To... <laughs> those are those are long days, aren't they? They yeah. were, yeah. Um, so uh, obviously we did not go to the first one because we did have tables and all that. And we were, I guess we were kind of lucky as we were kind of uh, two against one because <laughs> Paul could sit there and look through their their uh, portfolio. portfolio and I'd be talking about Power Squared and that kind of stuff. Right, yeah. right. We did. Well, I, I, I'm wondering, if you, do you mind if I ask you questions back? Sure, go ahead. It's supposed okay. to be a conversation. <laughs> it's, it's a conversation, so you can ask questions. Good, good. Um, well, I'm curious. I love hearing the stories of how people got started and where where you found bumps and and where where what you had to push through. And I know you guys had uh, you guys had a lot of bumps up in the beginning because uh, you would come and talk to me at each convention and um, ask me a question. How do we get through this? How do we get through this? So I'm curious. Uh, you went to Comic Creator Connection. You weren't able to connect with anybody that was interested. What were your next steps? What did you do to to get through that? Well, actually, we did connect with somebody at, I think the third time yeah and we were as a it was a woman and she was local she lived in you know lived in Burbank so it was really convenient for us and we met with her a couple of times and we actually had you know we thought we were kind of moving forward and then she kind of got involved in a relationship and got a job and then we never heard we could never get a hold of her we had to eventually mm-hmm. sort of walk away because we were yeah. it was never gonna happen and what we ended up doing was um, it's kind of a long story. Um, there was a the, at the WonderCon one we went to. There was an artist that 
couldn't he had a was going to a panel he was going to be on a panel so he couldn't do the connection but he went around and handed out cards to everybody and a little I think like a little packet of stuff as yeah. kind of examples of his work and when mm -hmm. we went in yep. uh, he was the most professional person that was there uh, at that one because a lot of them weren't prepared or they didn't have anything to show you or whatever for whatever reason and uh, so we thought about contacting him because you know and he's, I think, out of Sacramento. Uh, so we had uh, we had tried to, instead of thinking of it as a series, do a one-shot, which was called And Eli at the yeah. time. And um, uh, we sent that to him, and he didn't like it. And thought we were, like, you know, screwing up the whole superhero thing or whatever. It wasn't very flattering about it. Uh, so we rewrote it again and thought, well, let's, let's we I think, Let's try him again. And I noticed on his Facebook, he was part of a Facebook uh, comic creator connection thing there, kind of a, a Facebook group that did the same sort of thing. So we went there and uh, sort of uh, looked, you know, looking for people. And uh, we found, I think, I want to say there was four or five people that got back to us. And then we sent them a give him access to a page of the script and said please you know draw this and one person kind of sketched something on the back it looked like on the back of the you know printed out the page and sort of sketched something on the back and then somebody uh sika did a sort of a professional presentation he inked it and everything and you know it was its own it wasn't just a sketch on the back of the paper he actually drew it and so we hired yeah, him yeah. uh and we used him for the first five issues, uh, which is part of the graphic novel that we're on the Kickstarter. Um, and uh, we uh, decided we wanted to, you know, ha spend more money, so let's get it colored. And so we went on to the same group. Uh, we thought we found a, the colorist was, he kind of had sort of kind of illuminated things a certain yeah. way. We thought that might be cool for the powers when they use them. Uh, yep. And we were wrong. <laughs> um, we uh, Oh, it didn't turn out no. how you wanted. We, uh, yeah, yeah. we um, did two issues with him. And at the time, uh, we had made a connection with Chip Mosier at Comixology. Yeah. And because I know that for a while he was, I know they were sponsoring your, there was sort of an avenue for, wasn't there right between right. the two of you and we had uh i connected with him on the email and actually met him at the next comic-con and told, kind of had a little bit of a chit chat with him and so we sent him the first two issues and it was also the first uh issue that Tre trevor never lettered yeah and so we were just gonna see what he said and see so, you know, he goes you know the story's okay the art's all right the lettering could be a little better but you need to get a colorist and so we were like, okay, and how, you know, how do we do that without telling this guy, you know, letting this guy know we're looking, you know, kind of a deal. And so he set us up with uh, the Savannah College of Art and Design, a couple of professors there oh. he contacted. Yeah. And they um, said, oh, we have three or four people that, you know, would possibly be good candidates. And we were talking to three or four of them, uh, well, one of them was in China. They have a they have a campus in China. We were just trying to maybe not have it a long distance because Sika was in uh, Indonesia, 
I think, and the colors we had was in the Philippines, and we were never talking to these people. We thought at least if they were maybe closer, yeah. we'd be yeah, in the same time sure. zone or whatever. Um, so we were talking with this, and they had this um, really exaggerated idea of how much we could spend to color a page, because they all wanted like $100 a page, and we're like, okay, we're not paying the artist that much. And uh, we finally found actually the roommate of, or the friend of somebody that we were trying to hire wanted to do it. So we hired uh, him, uh, Rory, and uh, he did the first two issues and then decided that, you know, he wanted to do something else. And so he put us in touch with Paige Redbird. Yeah. Uh, who uh, was also from SCAD and who we'd actually just met a few weeks ago. Finally, we had her on the show because we'd never actually, you know, we... I was, I was watching that episode, yeah, so I, I saw your conversation with her. Um, so we hired uh, her, and she did three issues and decided she wanted to do something else. We're like, well, are we, like, ruining people yeah. for going? <laughs> and uh, we, then th she put us in touch with uh, Nina Gaylord, who was another SCAD graduate, and she also helped us find... We were sort of thinking that we were kind of had run our course with Sika and wanted sort of a different uh, style and yeah. a different discipline, maybe because we were. It was kind of like those last few pages would trickle in over like a month or something. We were like, you know, we're ready to finish this. Yeah, thing. sure. And so they helped. So we hired Rachel Wells, who was also a sketch graduate, <laughs> and uh, Rachel's still with us. Uh, we're working on issue twenty-one with her at the moment. So, and then. Wow. Uh, Nina did it up until colored until issue thirteen. Yeah, and then we hired uh, Julia Cannon, who's sort of a local uh, friend of a friend kind of a thing, who's also a, a good artist, and uh, she agreed to do it. Yeah, and um, so we've been using her. And we, we're actually hopefully this year could actually put out stuff that she's done. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a couple of years. But uh, anyway, so that's kind of where we I'm, are. I'm so, uh, I'm always so inspired every time I see you guys or, or hear from you. Um, because this has not been a short journey for you. This has been a, a long journey and a tremendous amount of work pushing through all these obstacles. And you, you guys have been so resilient with, <laughs> we have a thing we want to put out in the world and we're going to keep pushing until we do it. And uh, so uh, how many years has it been since you started on the first book? Uh, I want to say we probably wrote the first script. I even wrote a little history. I was going to say define start. So, yeah, <laughs> because we had the idea a couple years before we actually got around to finding an artist. Um, okay. And Or look for an artist. I think we originally thought Trevor might draw it, but it wasn't something he wanted to do. He's also an artist, but he didn't want to do it. Well, he didn't think he was a... Uh up to he didn't think he could deliver what we were yeah looking which for. okay so then we um that's when we started we should look around and find somebody and then the comic creator connection thing came up but it was i guess i want to say it might be like close to 10 years yeah since we wrote the first script wow. for yeah, it. from yeah. the inception inception of it yeah we had the idea to do it and you know, it took a little while to put together the story, and we actually drew the original storyboards. I drew them out, and they're you know great, uh -huh. great artwork. And um, <laughs> so, and then basically the first issue kind of ended up being pretty close to what we we drew. But, yeah. Um, and then we had we talked to people that were kind of new, more knowledgeable than we were about it and stuff, but we didn't really find an artist until we found Sika. Yeah. So if you could go back to that first year. 
when you first earnestly started making the comic. What do you wish you knew then that you know now? Uh, I wish we knew to build what they, the the biggest thing we have, the problem we have is nobody knows we're doing it, you know. Um, mm-hmm. um, and they tell you to sort of, I don't know how you actually do this, but build a fan base before you, you know. Yeah. Uh, and we're like, I don't know how you do that because we're not, we don't have like a lot of art we can share. You know, people don't. Here's a story I wrote. You know, uh, I think artists have it a little easier because you have something visual and people can look at it and go, yeah, it's great, and they don't have to like spend a lot of time delving into it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think it's harder for writers to, you know, to be, to do it. I think artists have a little bit of a, and especially if you can, there are some people that can draw and write in letter and color and they just are like little one man shops and they have it all over. I think people like us, cause we have to, we're depending on somebody to, to look at it and decide. And, you know, we have a little process we've worked out with um, Rachel and she does like two sets of thumbnails for every page and we go down and go okay we like this panel here and we like the rest of the panels on this page and so she sometimes has to flip things because you know the 180 degree (laughs) (laughs) axis and uh so it's a lot of you know if it's a lot of extra uh layers to get it to get it out the door i guess and and you know it's it's expensive at the same time Sure. sure yeah so you know it's um yeah, so I guess we. I wish we could have somehow built a fan base before we started doing it, but I don't, I, and again, I don't know what that secret sauce would have been to do it, and I don't know what. Obviously, we don't know what the secret sauce is. If people are reading. <laughs> we don't know the secret sauce now. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, we're still. You know, we, we're kind of hoping yeah. that people will eventually will discover it, and there'll be all this stuff we've been doing. <laughs> they'll go, hey, all these shows I can listen to, or whatever. Yeah, you ha- you guys have so many episodes on YouTube. I was scrolling through them and, and watching a few. I really liked the one on how to write a comic book script. It was this little <laughs> short five-minute episode, but you pulled in some really useful examples um, okay. all at once, and uh, and I, I loved it. I thought that was really helpful. Um, but impressive how, how many resources you put up there and how we make the book, uh, your critique sessions, your team meetings, things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think that's great. Well, we were, I think we're committed to doing it. I mean, a lot of people do, uh, you know, do a couple of podcasts and, oh, it's a lot of work and they stop doing it. Or it just gets to be, you know, they don't, they can't schedule it or they're busy at six o'clock on Friday night. <laughs> um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which has been good for us. I mean, the pandemic kind of helped us be able i was home on fridays so it kind of made it easier to do it on fridays and kind of you know get, i guess get it over with before the weekend <laughs> starts because i think it'd be harder to get people to you know two o'clock on a saturday um so we've been we've been doing uh we did a week in power squared for a while on sundays yeah. and we would do this show too and we yeah. said oh, that's too much and so let's just do this one, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're you know committed to uh I guess punishment or something because we keep, we keep doing it you know, over and over again that's great yeah um so uh are you, how how often do people actually connect through the com- creator connection oh that's a good question um well i wouldn't say that we always hear about it um we do at comic-con we offer we haven't the last couple of years because of the pandemic, but right. we're, we're hoping to, again, we offer a, a comic creator connection, all stars panel, right? 
where we encourage people who got together and made something to let us know about it and then if uh and then we'll we'll sort of select from the applications that come in and put them up on a panel and the the few years that we've done that we had uh at least four groups each time you know so that's us able to point at four pieces of work that are in the world now because of the comic creator connection um so and it's more than that um not everybody we, we don't we're not able to take all of the the ones that come in um and some of them uh, repeat there there's there's groups that gosh they pick up a new writer uh every year it seems and they uh -huh. do another project and and they'll they'll uh they'll put together another issue of something that they'll they'll submit you know so so we know that there's a, a handful probably every year that where they meet and they start working together was one of our goals for doing the comic book was to be on a panel <laughs> that's never happened uh, we thought it'd be kind well, of cool to be on the side I'll, I'll tell you you know getting a panel especially at a place like WonderCon is easier than most people think um, they, it's you submit an application with your idea for, for what the panel is going to be about and then as they're building the schedule they go through and select all the the ones that they can fit and comic-con is pretty full like they they take a lot of legacy panels like this panel happens yeah, yeah. every year and, and so there's not a lot of space for new panels but WonderCon has more space than you would think mm. um and they have they have i think they have more rooms to play with than at comic-con they're they've kind of reached maximum capacity they can't add any more spaces they're even using the library and things like that now at comic-con so uh it's a lot harder to sneak in there but um come up with a good pitch and you can hmm. You know, you can get on the list. Well, I think we were hoping to be on somebody else's panel. <laughs> no, sure, sure, yeah. sure. <laughs> but you know, no, one, no one says, hey, who hasn't really made it? Ew, come up. Um, <laughs> so um, we're, is, is, were you a big comic book reader? Or is this just you kind of fell into this because of Comic-Con or? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. No, Corey, my husband, grew up a comic book reader since he was five years old and he has a, a massive comic book collection and he knows it is the golden age of the marvel cinematic universe for him right now you know everything <laughs> yeah. is he can't believe that these characters he grew up with are coming to life now um when i was a kid i read uh gi joe it's a comic for i don't know about 20 maybe 30 issues was about my my run with gi joe um and uh, a neighbor gave us a shoebox once that had a bunch of old comic books in it. And I found uh, one of them was an amazing Spider-Man comic. And it was the first appearance of the spider clone. Mm. And I didn't know until much later that that's a fairly valuable comic right now. And um, I just this year became a comic book collector because oh. Corey helped me hunt down. And I have it right here. Actually, okay. I'm going to show you. He helped me hunt down a copy of that first oh, issue wow. of spider-man that i read and i must have read that issue like 20 times it was tattered and you know i knew every <laughs> word of that of that story and i just loved it and that was uh, until i met Corey in college um that was about all i had read of comics and then when i met Corey, he started introducing me 
to comics slowly. And since I had a curated experience, he only brought me great comics. So <laughs> one day he brought me he brought me a stack this high of Uncanny X Men comics, and they were the John Byrne, Chris Claremont, uh-huh. you know, Uncanny X Men. And I sat in my dorm room and over a weekend, you know, just devoured all them. And then he turned me on to Alpha Flight, and then Sandman was coming out at the time, and. Um, you know, and there were just a lot of really good comics coming out then, and and so he got me into it then, as as we as we got together. Um, so my relationship to comics is much newer than his. His his goes into the marrow of his bones. <laughs> mine is uh, mine, mine's much newer. Yeah, but I love it. I, I love the the aspect of comics that it is such a collaborative medium. I absolutely love that about comics. That is that's so fun to me. Um, that the the final product that's produced isn't something that one person in the group could have done on their own. You know, it's everyone brought something to the soup, and yeah. you come up with something that's thick, that's great afterwards. And I love reading about the early days of Marvel Comics and DC Comics and how it was that then too. It was a, a writer and an artist and a colorist and an inker and a letterer, and they might have all worked in the same office or not. They might have been FedExing copies of things around and and. I just I love that aspect of the medium. Um, it is collaborative, and and one of the things I think we enjoy about uh, Rachel actually you know studied sequential art, <laughs> which is you know she yeah. kind of knows how to tell a story. We're just like, okay, and so she only makes suggestions that usually improve things. Yeah. Um, so you so, get yeah. to learn from from working with her as well. Right. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. You're, That's you're great. always learning something. Um, uh, how about you two? What are your relationships to comics as a as a medium? Uh, I think I've been more into comics than yeah. <laughs> um, since I was like in middle school or high school, I've been reading like a lot of manga, uh, mm-hmm. the Japanese comics, and in like high school and college, I read. Uh, or like I read some American comics as well Um, my favorite one of my favorites was uh, Deadpool Mm -hmm. uh, because I think he's a he's surprisingly a deep character for such a silly uh, you took a class in college you and Trevor about comic books right yeah yeah Um, and uh, see uh, this point with uh, comics, I still read uh, like American comics, you could say, but uh, I've been more into like the independent stuff. Like mm-hmm. uh, I really got into Lock and Key. Oh sure, yep. Um, and uh, Trevor got it. Really got into. Uh, he recently really got into uh, Usagi Ojimbo. Mm-hmm. And uh, he also devoured uh, bone yeah <laughs> oh and, yeah love bone and uh with manga i still read i still keep up with like one piece is how long that's been running but i've also gotten to stuff like uh way of the house husband or uh tamamo chan is a fox <laughs> um when they were in high school a comic book store opened a blo- at least a, about a block away yeah from our house and they oh, started that's go- dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> and they started going there all the time. And uh, I would go in there, you know, with them. And, like, if you're not 
reading something that's really not that exciting to be in the, you know you're just like looking at a bunch of stuff so i started reading um and i was i was a little more you know captain america and captain marvel and uh, some you know arrow and some other stuff here and there yeah um and um and i can't remember the saga yeah um so i kind of and then uh so I came sort of late into the picture. I wasn't really, when I was a kid. There were there weren't a comic book store near where I lived, and they, they sold them in the, you know the supermarkets. And you know, your, my mother was like, "Hey, we can't afford that." Like it was twelve cents or something. <laughs> you know, how, yeah, how things are. <laughs> and um, so I just sort of uh, didn't really have that experience. Uh, but I sort of, you know, and then I read kind of uh, if I get something through a Kickstarter or something. I don't have a. A lot of time with just spare time uh, between working <laughs> the job that pays me and the comic book and some other writing and uh, you know it's just sort of I have a limited amount of time I can spend reading so sure. I, I I'm I'm not an avid uh, comic book consumer I'm afraid uh, I feel like mentioning uh, Comic Con actually gave me one of the coolest experiences when it came to comics um, so one of my favorite series is Yu Gi Oh which is a card game uh-huh. series. Okay. And uh, so that's by uh, the mangaka. The mangaka for that is uh, Kazuki Takahashi. And one year at Comic-Con, I got to meet him. Yeah. He, got nice. a, he has a signed piece. <laughs> Both of them do. Yeah. Signed. Uh, that's great. He made, there were these uh, art boards made specifically for that signing. So we got our, we got, he not only signed it, but our names were written in Japanese. <laughs> Yeah, it's really cool. That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, one thing I like about Comic Con is uh, you get exposed to things you wouldn't necessarily think you you know were planning on getting exposed to. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, we went to see uh, it went to see it was Tight Kubo. Yeah. Uh, and in order to do that, you had to, you sometimes have to get in like panels two or three ahead of time to to get into the panel oh, sure. you want to get into. And we yep. ended up uh, being the one about watching The Watchmen, and honestly had you know like what is this and so i i oh, read the hbo series no it was a, a book about this about the comic books oh gotcha okay. because the uh zack snyder yeah movie so. was in development and so i read all the uh you know the all the watchmen i got i had got it signed by uh the artist at comic yeah at comic-con and um, I have the whole, so I have the original set. I bought the, or I actually was given those as gifts by my family, <laughs> and from the local comic book store, and um, uh, got into the uh, was it after the Watchmen thing? I forgot what they called. Was, it. was that before Watchmen? Well, before, yeah. There was a, they did a series before Watchmen, so I, I read, you know, got all the, got into that, and, and uh, so it. But I wouldn't have been exposed to it if we weren't waiting to see another panel, you know. What right, I mean? right. And yeah, you just encounter all of these random molecules of of creative expression at Comic Con. Yeah. Uh, trying to get seats for a next thing exposes you to something cool. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I love that too. We talk about that all the time because we're, yeah, we'll we'll go into panels that we don't have any interest in and wait. Um, but and sometimes you just we'll discover I mean, things that way too. There was like I want to say we were waiting uh, to see. I want to say I, maybe I'm making this up. I thought it was Doom Foray, and the, one of the panels before that was about Dracula, 
and all or vampires and all this sort of stuff and I was like okay and like oh it got me interested so I read Dracula you know because of that and stuff so I mean you can't just get exposed to stuff you weren't expecting yeah. which is, it, yeah. is that is one of the cool aspects of it um, yeah uh, let's talk a little bit about Epic Win the book yeah sure yeah. <laughs> uh, which you published in 2014 and I realized uh, I'll let you talk about it but I realized I read it I think pretty soon after you published it because one of the things in the book uh, that you, you talked about assembling your team which I didn't feel like I really had that so uh, I want to say it was the scorekeeper or something so I started yep. doing a a blog about my writing uh, to sort of like keep myself, you know, kind of self scorekeep or whatever. What am I doing? What you know, and what's my experience? And I've been doing that now for uh, 400 weeks. I do it weekly, so it's like 400 weeks. So it was about eight wow. years ago. I started doing it based on having read your book. So, um, wow, yeah, that's great. We don't know when and so the blog is kind of a, a way of keeping yourself honest. Like I'm accountable to this yeah. step every week. Yeah. No what matter I, what. I'm what have, what have I done? What are my thoughts? You know, if I learn something at Comic Con, I'll write about that. Or WonderCon, I'll write about what I learned and try to share that information. Uh, I'll kind of talk about what I should have done, what I haven't done. You know, uh, I think last week I was kind of bitter about the Kickstarter, <laughs> but. Uh, um, uh, so you know, I, it's it's my experience uh, in that week. So I call it a week in writing, and so I, I uh, I've been doing it for 400 weeks based on kind of on your book. You know, wow. your book doesn't Good say to you. do that, but that was just that was my way of keeping myself honest. Yeah, yeah. I no, I think well, the way you describe it, it would be the coach. Okay. Um, well. we said in the book that the coach is the one who keeps you honest to your goals. Um, the scorekeeper is more about the quality of your work. Okay. Uh, and telling you when uh, you might need to redo that page, you might need to do another draft, things like that. But, um, but having a, a some kind of accountability partner like that, and yeah. I, and I love how you created one that there's there's going to be a place where I publish this to the world once a week and 400 weeks. That's amazing. Yeah, and and there's you know 10 or 12 people that read it every week. So <laughs> <laughs> again, can't catch on, but. Uh, Anyway, so yeah, it's something I do is sort of like, okay, what have I done, what I haven't done? And it's sort of a good reflection on s Sunday afternoon to sit down and kind of go, okay, what should I have done, sure. what I haven't done? Uh, he actually edited it for me, so he's been involved for eight years of uh, reading it. But uh, yeah. yeah. That's great. Got foggy here. Got That's great. I love hearing that. Yeah. So tell us about how did this book come about? Well, um, in the first couple of chapters of the book, we kind of tell the story. Um, the first year that Corey and I went to Comic-Con was, oh gosh, it's going to hurt to say this, but it was 2006. <laughs> and uh, we went there with some friends of ours. We, we went there with uh, our friend Adam, who uh, he and his friends were working on a comic that they wanted to produce. Um, and at the time, Corey was an aspiring filmmaker. And my thing was uh, getting in front of groups, public speaking, being a, a motivational speaker. And I wasn't doing it. I wasn't creating any kinds of audiences for myself. So the three of us all had these creative goals that, that we wanted to accomplish, and we were all stuck. And when you have something like that in you, 
and you go to a place like Comic-Con, there's a lot of joy at Comic-Con because you see things that you love and you oh. get to experience the, the fandom. And there's also some, some aching that happens inside because you have your own thing that you want to get out. And we all felt that. We all felt like, I want to have a booth or I want to have a film that someone's looking at or I want to have a comic sign, you know. Um, and so I left Comic-Con with that. And as I would talk with Corey about it, you know, I, I kept wanting to find a way to, to bring those stories together. Um, and I had, I had some training experience in coaching, helping people get past their, their blocks and things like that. And I thought Comic-Con could use something like that. Cause I, I had a feeling that the three of us weren't the only ones that were suffering <laughs> from that. So, so I, I, uh, I, kind of cyber stalked the director of programming at the time and I found an email address for him and I emailed him and I said hey I want to do this this panel at Comic-Con um, and this was this was back before Comic-Con used to sell out this is uh, right. you know where tickets would sell out this was this yeah. was not uh, the big Comic-Con that is today and so he said yeah sure we'll give you a spot on the schedule and so uh, we made this this workshop, this one-hour goal-setting workshop, and we framed it around ten magic coins that you could use on your journey to bringing your project to life. Um, and then we did that at Comic-Con, and then WonderCon, and we did that every year for a while. And we kept refining it. We kept coming up with more coins, more ways to tell that story. We started we started coaching people. Um, but two years after that. We had uh, Adam, he and his friends had finished their comic, they published it, and they had a booth at Comic-Con that year. And Corey had finished uh, a, uh, his first short film uh, that was out in the world. He did a, a music video, like a long form music video for a local musician. And I had this workshop. And so the three of us had all reached this goal. And that really inspired me to want to turn that that experience into a book and a book would also give it give us the opportunity to expand on the 10 things because there were so many more to talk about mm -hmm. um, you just don't have time in a 50 minute workshop uh, and so I started started collecting them I started uh, 15 minutes before work every morning I would sit down and force myself to write and then try to make it like 30 minutes and and you all know how that goes you get to a, a really rough terrible first draft and yeah uh, i decided for for valentine's one year i i uh went up to one of the self-publishing sites and i had my my first draft bound into a copy of a book and i gave that to Corey for valentine's day and i said i want us to edit this together and publish it for real you know and i left it on my desk overnight and uh our cat at the time, her name is Mira. Um, she's not with us anymore, but she, uh, in the morning, she had left her feedback on the book. She had a hairball, <laughs> coughed up a big hairball on the book, you know. And so that was that was the feedback that eh, this needs some more work. Right, yeah. We spent the next we spent uh, we spent the next year or so uh, editing. Every Saturday, we would we would sit down uh, in a restaurant. We'd spread out. Um, and we'd camp out in, in a booth for hours talking through chapters. Um, you know, I'd be doing a draft and Corey would be reading it and then we'd go paragraph through paragraph trying to refine it and things like that um, uh, until we published. And, and that was kind of the journey to, to that book. But it really started with that, the, the heartache of that first year at Comic-Con and wanting to do something, wanting to put something out in the world that would help. 
Right. And that's the that's the core of all. We started a company around it called Toucan Learning, and that's been the core of that. And to, today, what we mostly do is the Comic Creator Connection and the All Star Panel. And both of those things, the the purpose for doing those is to help help with some part of that process. So if we can help you find someone to work with, that's great. If you found someone to work with, created something, and we can help put you on a panel, that's great too. Um, occasionally we do some some other things at conventions too, but it's all around that that core idea. I, I like the the book because uh, again, the, I read at night usually before I go to bed, and the chapters are you could I could get through a chapter every night. Oh yeah. So it was, it was easy if like I'm making progress on this, and a lot of it is it's it's very common sense. Uh, you know, um, yeah, you should be doing this. And I, I, I had quoted to somebody one time about the idea that, uh, you know, people go to work early and stay late and you're making that company's dreams come true, not your own or something like to right. along those lines. And I was like, yeah, right. that makes a certain amount of sense. I mean, uh, one of the things I kind of, one of the things I do like about working from home when I can, I have to go in two days a week now, but is at the end of the day, I'm home. I don't have to drive, you know, in LA, it's an hour, hour and a half drive home. And you just, it's just yeah. a time suck you're losing. And so I, I enjoy the fact that I can just like kind of turn the page quicker, you know, and get into something I want to do um, and not be so worn out about it. But um, yes. so there's a lot of good, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I, I think, you know, co- you know, kind of common sense things to do. And you do talk about a team, which again, I didn't think I could assemble. So I, I kind of went up and <laughs> made my own, but um but no, I think it's it's a it's a really good book. Um, now, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. You're, you're referred to here on as the Tony Robbins of of geeks. Is of that, geeks, yeah. yeah. Is that something you're still? I mean, <laughs> I mean, Tony Robbins kind of his, <laughs> his reputation's kind of gone down a little over the years. But. Yeah, I think what uh, ever since I was a kid, I always wanted to be that kind of a speaker. You know, the, like you know high energy in yeah. front of a crowd and i've and i've always felt uh i've always felt more uh i have greater situational awareness i have greater connection with the room with with my my content when i'm in front of an audience that that is that is my uh my body's happy place and we had a friend uh he's the one who said that uh gene yang who skyrocketed to stardom ever since then but he used to be uh, we used to be teachers together at a at a high school and we had him as a guest at our workshop once he came up and talked about um writing writing one of uh, his first graphic novel and answered some questions about it um and afterwards uh we went out we, we visited him at his booth afterwards and just to thank him for being on the the workshop and uh and he said doug you're you're the Tony Robbins of geeks. <laughs> <laughs> and it kind of stuck. And it was, uh, it was, it's a, I think it's an accessible way for people to understand what they're, what they're reading. Um, yeah. the, the idea is that this is a performance coach for someone who's a nerd. You know? <laughs> and every, everything in that book is going to be nerdy and it's going to resonate with, with folks who live in that world. And that, and that was sort of the parameters we put around it when, um, when we wrote it. Did you have a, a panel about this book because I remember hearing some of these stories about your friends and 
working through all this together kind of a thing that not through yep. the comic creator connection but okay so i guess i, I attended yeah that. we did we did a panel it, it was we call it a workshop you know it was just me um taking the room through like these 10 magic coins these 10 tips um and i would always start with that story right uh about Corey and adam and and i so, yep. so now i was gonna ask the question you know you and Corey are, are married was it a lot of people can't work with their i can work with my spouse but a lot of people can't was that an interesting situation for you or you always have been working together so it wasn't a big deal or sure I, yeah i mean i think we've always creatively worked together in some capacity um and you know the stakes are higher when you're working with the spouse because you can't uh you can't walk away from that spouse relationship right you know so you have to work harder to take care of things to clean things up when you make mistakes um, and I wouldn't say that I was perfect at it. I would say I learned a lot. And um, and in the end, we had a great time. Yeah. We were really proud of, of the book we produced. We made up a name for it. Um, you know, generally my role in that process was banging out a first draft, a bad first draft, you know, and I can type pretty fast. So those come out, you know, just pour out of my head. Right. And Corey is much more of a thoughtful writer and, you know, he would go through, well, this paragraph doesn't line up with this one, and this doesn't make sense because of what you said back over here. And so those Saturdays in the uh, sitting in a booth at a restaurant um, were, were us refining that writing down together, you know. So we uh, we we referred to his role as wetter, uh, like an editor, <laughs> an editor that I was wedded to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and that, that was one of our ways of talking about it, that that was how we approached the partnership on that book but it was it was something we wrote together and uh we had a great time yeah um so i always ask these people i have them on the show you've actually read power squared i believe several years ago it, you know it was a long time ago uh, but i do remember reading it yeah um and what did you think of power squared I'll put you on the spot here. <laughs> I, well, you can't you can't read you can't read Power Squared if if you know you guys and not think of uh, Paul and Trevor. Right. You know, so so I'm always thinking as I'm reading through this how much of this is is real is how you you guys are with each other, um, and how much of it is is wishful thinking. You know, I wish it was more like this, or how much of it is you working stuff out. You know. And I think powers. that's really you, you the powers, uh, an interesting right? aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, you do have the powers, but you can't play guitar. Yeah, um, uh, yeah it's sort of an idealized version of them. Uh, we were uh, trying to come up with, you know, the idea was to make identical twins the heroes of a story as opposed to the gimmick characters or the background characters. And um, they were... I, I want to say you were in college at the time. We yeah. started doing this, so we, let's have the, let's have it start in college. And what would happen mm. if? How would these twins get these powers? And we they, they were in the manga, so we wanted to bring in some of that into it. That's where we yeah. came up with Mocha, mm -hmm. giving them the powers. And how? Why would you give them powers? We have you know we had to sort of think through everything. Um, but um, yeah, so that they're we try to give them some of the same interests that they had but it's not really writing from you know you don't have that the experiences of the book are right fictional so and we yeah. wanted yeah. we wanted it to be 
you know, not be there living with their parents. Uh, so we had to be with the, the, their fun uncle. And we've sort of developed some backstory, well, we, which we haven't got to yet, a little backstory about the parents and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's, it's um, a little bit of them, but mostly it's fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys are working on issue number what now? 21. Issue 21. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, we're gluttons for pain. <laughs> <laughs> we like being ignored, so, that, so if we keep doing it, more people will ignore us. No. Yeah. That brought up a question for me. How do you, uh, you know, Epic Win is all about goal setting. You know, taking taking something from being a fan to having kind of a wish and a and a dream to bringing it into life, and you've done that, yeah, um, more than once. And I'm curious about how you think about uh, goals for Power Square, short-term goals and long-term goals, and how you work with that. Do you have those mapped out somewhere? Do you have like we want to produce a hundred issues, and that's when it'll be done, or? Do you have a chart in the family room with uh, with X's on it for your goals? How do, what it, how do you think about short and long-term goals for Power Square? Well, we're always hoping that we'll find more readers. Um, and so we're, you know, we, it's been hard during, we were, uh, 2020 was going to be the year we were going to break out. You know, we had a, a oh. you know, we had a, a signing scheduled for Golden Apple Comics in Hollywood. Uh mm. The Saturday after they shut everything down, so we we missed out on that. Oh wow! Um, yeah. And then we rescheduled that for I think it was Batman Day or something in September. Yeah. Um, and by the time it just you know it, we got a few people, a few nibbles here and there, but it wasn't you know the the success you hoped for. Um, and it just sort of yeah we got kind of uh, I guess waylaid. Because uh, we were, we were going to try to do, we have done some, we did one signing before up at the local comic book store, uh, and we did a little con in the valley here, uh, which wasn't really designed for people with a new comic book they were trying to get people to read. It was more designed for, I'm collecting comics, and uh, but yeah, we actually... Yeah. Uh, ironically met, I would say, maybe our biggest fan there. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she was there promoting a movie that she had been in, a sort of a, I want to say kind of a, say a little budget movie. Yeah. Uh, and she was the star of a series of these little films, and she was there and sitting across the aisle from us, and she came over, I, I assume taking pity on us, and said, what do you have? And so she bought a couple of issues, and uh, she's, you know, she's been kind of backing us ever since. Uh, Sue Price, I'll give her name out, uh, and we should, we've had her on the show, and she has a, a, a following of people because that was that was our our biggest, as far as people viewing it, our biggest show. Yeah. Um, but she's been very nice to us and stuff. So we did. You can meet people that like your stuff in in sure environment where he wasn't designed for it, but we just haven't really. I mean, there's not a lot of uh, uh, money in it doing to do a con because. You know, it costs to get a table, and you have to have yep. you have to have stuff. And uh, we were talking to, with uh, an artist, Don Wynn, who did, did a lot of conventions last year. And he was saying, "Oh, you should do a convention, blah blah blah." You know, how do you make the money back from you know, it's eight hundred dollars for a table. How do you make money on that or whatever? I don't know how much it is right. per se. But he, oh, he does commissions because he's an artist. Well. We're not going to sit there and do commissions. <laughs> you know, let me type out something for you. Uh, so yeah. it's kind of like it would just 
be a lot of it'd be a big expense and we're kind of doing this on a kind of a shoestring kind of you know it's it's all coming out it's right. all out of pocket so i don't want to like you know um you know spend more money than we can afford and and you know get one person to buy a comic book or whatever so um right so it's been hard for us to kind of get we sh we need to figure out how to get more out in front of people but it's hard to actually i i think being that we're not artists it makes it a little more difficult i mean i'm sure there are people that have great success and all that but well i, I think there's a, a million different stories of how people get there um, and you're just you're finding your own. I saw that your Kickstarter was fully funded uh, yes. this last week, and this is this isn't your first Kickstarter, right? No, and it's the it's actually it's kind of a interesting story. It's uh, we did a Kickstarter uh, two and a half years ago. Uh, we had we're one of the people that publish us on demand is a company called artithmeric.com. They're out of London. And they were suggesting uh, a couple years ago that we do a, a graphic novel, uh, put the first five issues together and have a graphic novel. So we thought that was a good idea. And we we're trying to, you know, raise some money if we could. And so let's let's kickstart the graphic novel. You know, it's already done. So it's not like a lot of, you know, it was easy to turn it around. And we used uh, another uh, kablam for some of the single issues because it was it was less expensive for us and they actually fulfilled yep. it for us and um so we did this kickstarter and we hit up everybody we, it was uh, kind of uh we i think we kicked it off in november and thanksgiving and we hit up everybody in the you know family and they all backed it so we and we did pretty well my mother backed it uh as well and we raised uh, I think our, I think our, we we set a goal of like three thousand dollars or something, and we and we made it, um, not by a whole lot, but we did make it. Uh, and so when they approached us about doing this Kickstarter again for the graphic novel, I was like, okay, you've kind of, for us, we kind of hit up everybody that we'd expect uh -huh. to back <laughs> it. So it's kind of like okay, and so the goal of this is to translate it into French. And then to sell it as a bande dessinée, uh, yeah, bande dessinée. Okay, in France and I guess French-speaking Belgium, where apparently graphic novels are readily available like in all the stores. It's not like you go to a yeah, specific yeah, yeah. store to get it or whatever. And they think that's a market potentially, and they want to use the money that they raise to translate it into French, and um, so. It's it's and so we decided to try to do something different. We went back and kind of, uh, I, we're kind of we know that the first five issues are kind of wordy and all that. So we, let's see if we could sort of you know sharpen them up a little bit. So we went through it's like a hundred pages, and you know changed made changes pretty much on every page. Yeah, because Trevor had to re-letter it, and it was like four so or five pages. Special edition. Yeah. yeah. So um, <laughs> so uh, we did that, and uh, so we tried to make it l at least different. If you hadn't read it before, if you yeah. had read it before, it'd be a slightly different read for you. Um, hopefully yeah. improved. Um, so yeah, and so yeah, they were. We just finally made it over the finish line. Uh, we have like four days to go or whatever, but yeah. we're at least over the. So we've we've successfully funded Good for two you. Kickstarters. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great. And I won't get into the my whole <laughs> my uh, kind of bitchy <laughs> 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 uh, post last week, um, but um, it was 
it's uh, it it kind of it makes you kind of you realize this is where people decide if they like your project and like you kind of it's you're putting yourself out there and it's feeling like sure. if you don't fund nobody you know you we're not doing this for the for the joy of doing a comic book we're doing it for partly but we're also doing it to help people read it and you want people to you know in my I'll say in my blog every week I mentioned power square what's going on with it and I don't think that's necessarily translated into sales or anything like that but it, I want people whole point of writing is to get people to read uh, what you've written so I'm trying to always kind of push that forward um, and hopefully and somebody will go hey you know what I'll give it a chance or whatever and we've tried to yeah. design kind of a because it takes place at a school uh, we've you know we have of course these little t-shirts we've come up with but we've also um, um, uh, you to follow us, you enroll at the school, San, San Romero Community College, and uh, we do a sort of a, a newsletter once a month called The Hound Dog's Howl, and it's sort of like the school paper. It's actually from the comic book, and so we kind of have a, at least a little bit in there about, you know, herd around campus kind of stuff and things like that. So we're trying to make it a little bit of flavored of, you know, idealized going to school because, you know, I haven't taken classes or anything. <laughs> but, um, so we're you know we're hoping that at some point that it does catch on. Yeah. Um, I think you know what you're what you're speaking to is one of the universal challenges of the the artist or the creative person is the 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 difference between expressing yourself and commercial success. <laughs> <laughs> and those two things those two things have almost nothing to do with each other. Yeah. And, you know the the universe doesn't make any promises um and i love uh this book by elizabeth gilbert big magic i don't know if you've ever seen it but she talks about the creative life and elizabeth gilbert uh, wrote that book eat pray love which became one of the best-selling books in the world skyrocketed to yeah. number one on the new york times bestseller list for for years and she she had no control over that and she has just as many books that she's written that nobody's read right and she has some acclaim now because she's she's been on oprah she's been you know but the author but of before that she yeah she she was um much more unknown and she writes this in this this book big magic she writes about the uh the relationship between you and the the creative muse and the the idea that comes to you is essentially knocking on the door and saying hey i want to I want to be expressed. I want to be out in the world and uh, be born. You want to you want to walk this path with me. And and if you sign up for that idea, then that's a partnership, and you get to like we did when we wrote Epic Win. We we got to bring this book into existence. And she said, you get a nice artifact out of that. You get uh, you know a thing. Mm -hmm. You get a book or an object that you made. But that's the end of the deal. There's no. Yeah. There's no other promise made by the universe, and that's really hard, <laughs> because like like you said that you you know there's a vulnerability to that that you're putting yourself out there in the in the the shop window for the people to walk by, and um, and it's a part of you that's out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's and and everyone I've talked to so many people at Comic Con and conventions and stuff who come up to me with the the same challenge of getting okay with that. Um, I'll tell you. I'll tell you a quick story, if you don't mind. When we first published Epic Win, that very first Comic Con, um, 
we had gotten ourselves a small press table. So we had, we had paid the money, we had built graphics. So we had uh, a, a, you know, a tablecloth printed with our logo. <laughs> we had a banner behind us. We had, we had books to sell, hardcover and softcover. Um, and it was time to place the order for the books. And, and I said, I think we should order about 250 copies because you know there's there's we're there for four days and there's going to be a lot of people that really want this and it would be the worst thing to run out because we would have paid all this money to go in and run out i said i think we should order 250 copies and Corey looked at me and he was very very uh compassionate to me but he said doug i love you i want you to hear this though we're not going to sell 250 copies. <laughs> and I said, yes, we are. It's going to be great. People are going to be lined up. They're going to love it. There's people that come to our workshop. They're going to come right down to our booth, and they're going to want autographs, and they're going to buy books. And preview night came. And if you haven't been to Comic-Con before for your audience, preview night is uh, 6 to 9 p.m., the, the day before Comic-Con starts, when only the exhibit hall is open. Right. So that's all people come there to do is to shop. And we had our booth set up for the very first time. It was crisp, clean. It was sparkling. We had stacks of books. We brought probably 50 or 100 books down just for preview night, you know, under the table, ready to go. And we had a stack on the table. And I, I think we sold three books that night. <laughs> really? And yeah. I was heartbroken. That was really hard uh, to swallow that. And by the end of Comic-Con, I think maybe we had sold 20 you know, but really small number. And, and I came to learn after that, that you sort of need both of those voices. If you're gonna, if you're gonna do this work, if you're gonna put out creative work, you need a voice in you that says, this could be really great and people would really like this. This has value. And you need someone inside of you, a voice that's saying, yeah, this is gonna be, they're gonna line up and they're gonna buy my, buy my book. You have to have that voice because it'll sustain you. And you also have to have the other voice, the voice that says, Doug, I love you, but they're not going to buy 250 yeah. bucks, you know, and that, and that will bring you uh, down to reality. And it'll also sustain you because it'll explain afterwards, why did we only sell three books? I don't understand. And I, I would have given up after yeah. that. Like, nobody wants this. This is garbage, you know. But you have to have kind of those two voices in your head always, uh, you know, cheering you on and then you know level setting with you and and that's that's something that everybody walks you know so i i just want to say again how much i respect you guys for keep keeping pushing on this and looking for openings wherever you can find them and and keep putting yourself out into the world um mad respect for that oh um we uh and it was interesting you said that because we would i remember we were talking to some artist and he was saying oh i have my books printed you know here and you get a break at a thousand whatever and i'm like okay i don't want a garage full of comic books that i didn't sell so we're you know we're very we order small amounts whenever we do something and i like the idea that they're print on demand you can you know you can go get them yourself if you really want yes it, you know, that kind yes of stuff. So I, I don't want a garage full of uh, oh yeah that's issue one we used to park a car here that's issue two uh-huh. anyway uh it's been great having you on the show uh if uh, if somebody wants to follow you or get your advice or whatever, how would they best contact you? Uh, they could contact me through Twitter um, at Toucan Doug. Uh, I'm on Twitter. That's probably the best, most public way to get a hold of me. Um, and if they want to find a copy of the book, uh, 
All I have with me here is a hardcover reverse wow. edition. Uh, this was a special limited edition we created. Um, <laughs> but the paperback is still available on Amazon. If they search Epic Win uh, and Doug Neff, uh, they'll, they'll find it on Amazon. Are you still it's, it's print on demand, so they can get, they ah, can get copies of it. Are you still selling them at Comic-Con? Uh, you know, sometimes we'll bring them with us to, uh, we don't do a booth anymore. Right. Um, so we'll, we'll usually have a few copies in our bag if someone wants to buy one. Yeah. Um, I, I know that's yeah. how Trevor Wright went to one of your programs and you got her talking about the book. So he bought it and he got it signed by the two we, of you. We had a few with us. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Well, it's, it's been nice having you on the show. Appreciate it. Uh, maybe we can have you back at some point. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'd love to. This was great. All right. So next time, I'm until next time, I'm David Hankins. I'm Paul Hankins. And you've been on the air with Power Squared. <laughs>